0: just go to cars.com It's magical.
1: Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. It's in the middle. They play together. They believe. It um, cares. Levert it's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a
0: one-man wrecking crew. Holiday Shot clock down to six. Finds one.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. Of course, read us over at Indy Cornrows. We have some great stuff coming out. Really psyched today to be joined by my friend, uh, Richie Randall, from over at BuzzBeat. If you don't listen to BuzzBeat, go do so, even if you're not a Hornets fan. I'm not a Hornets fan, and I love listening to BuzzBeat, so you should go do it. Uh, Richie, how are you doing today, man?
0: I'm doing good. I always appreciate the praise that you give BuzzBeat. And I also appreciate you doing a back-to-back podcast. Obviously, the listeners don't know this, but you just recorded one no load management for mark here. no there's
1: there's no even with the, my back has been acting up recently so my uh my dog sleeps like right on top of me of uh-huh. course so um instead of being you know like any reasonable person and making him sleep in his crate i just uh wake up with a bad shoulder anyway so you know it works out okay but no no load management never uh too many podcasts to do too much basketball to watch too much uh too much stuff to catch up on um Man, so how things have changed since uh, since the last time these two teams have played. Um, Hornets were solid. I, I want to say that they were in the, the 9 or 10 seed last time that this team played uh, when they were um, when they did the two-game series and the Pacers were in like the 5 or 6 seed. And now the Hornets are in the sole possession of the 4 seed at 24 and 22 and the, the Pacers are down in the 10 seed after losing uh, last night to the Heat. Uh, And they're 21 and 25, which is not um, honestly not too far off what I was expecting for the year. But, um, you know, I'm it's kind of interesting talking about how this might be a a, a potential matchup in the playoffs, uh, the way that things could shake out in the East. Um, So either of the teams winning this, uh, you know, getting clinching the the game, clinching the series leading this home court advantage would be huge. Um, First of all, I mean, I would start off by asking, dude, what has this season been like for you? Uh, covering the team and and watching them and and has it surpassed your expectations? I'm I'm guessing based on one of the last times we talked.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has definitely surpassed my expectations because I think at this point in the season with the Hornets, you know, having 24 wins, I, I would have guessed that would be their total win total at the end of the season. I was kind of expecting anywhere from 24 to 27 wins for this team. And they've, they've surpassed that clearly. Uh, it, it's been a fun team to watch. I, I think, like you said, regardless if you're a Hornets fan or not, this is a league pass team. This is a team that you enjoy watching just by their style of play. So at the very least, regardless of record, uh, the Hornets have played a very appealing style of basketball uh, with James Borrego in, in terms of him just being pass heavy getting everyone involved. Uh, I think they are top five in the NBA in assist. And, and I know Indiana's up there too as well. Uh, they're, they're just a team that just it plays together. They're a young team, you know, surrounded by a couple of veterans like Gordon Hayward. That addition uh, has been a great addition for this Hornets team. And he's been that like steady presence for this team. But yeah, but overall, I, I've enjoyed covering this team, watching this team and there's a lot of reasons which we can get into as to why they've been so successful and have outperformed all these expectations from me and, and also from people on the national stage.
1: Yeah. Well, I have, I mean, I have so many questions I want to ask you, man. I mean, number one, um, the team has really been fantastic with, with LaMelo ball with LaMelo ball out. And that was something I was worried about. You know, I thought maybe the team would take a dive, um, after Lamella ball went down with his wrist injury. Um, But they haven't. And I know part of that has been with how well Devontae Graham has played. I mean, he's hitting everything from three again, and he's pretty much only taking threes. I think he's taking like (laughs) uh, I think I want to say since the All-Star break, he's taking like 10 shots a game, eight of them or threes, and he's just hitting everything. Um, But what else has really stuck out to you um, that has been why this team is still holding together with LaMelo out?
0: Well, first off, I think, the like I was mentioning before, the offensive system has been in place to where the ball doesn't stick. And Borrego mm-hmm. forces his players to make decisions quickly. And the ball zips around, and it forces players to be playmakers and playmakers for themselves and playmakers for others. And they've done a good job with that, even without LaMelo Ball. And, and as you mentioned, he's been out with a, a wrist injury that he suffered back against the Clippers on their West Coast trip. And it was funny. He actually played in that game after the injury. And you could tell that he was definitely, you know, trying to use his left hand as much as possible. Uh, But the good news with that injury is that we've heard that it's actually going to be reevaluated in several weeks. And I think many people thought that he was not going to be back by the end of the season, but there, there's a slight chance that after that evaluation that he can come back. But First off, the system itself, and, and and the players have bought in. I think that's the one of the biggest things. Um, on an individual basis, Terry Rozier um, has been very very good this season. I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back for this, but uh, I think I think people are slowly coming to round the fact that he is one of the most clutch players in the NBA. And I remember tweeting this back like three months ago that Terry, Terry Rosier has been the most clutch player for Charlotte since the acquisition of him two years ago. And I think many at the time when I tweeted that probably didn't realize, or maybe they would have argued Devontae Graham being the you know the most clutch player. And it has been a team effort thing late in the game. Um, and it has been for the past two seasons, but it, it's been pretty clear cut that Terry Rosier has been the most fearless guy when it comes to... To these late game situations and one of the biggest improvements that i've seen from rosier has been his mid-range game this season everyone talks about his catch and shoot numbers everyone talks about his clutch play uh but if you want to sound smart start bringing up his mid-range shot like it it's been like a 10 plus percentage point jump in, in the mid-range and that's key because teams obviously want to run him off the line And he's being more decisive in the mid-range, pulling up. He's been great. And, yeah, man, I just think it's been a team effort. Anyone on any given night can step up. Uh, The offense is clicking. The ball is moving. There's some concerns on the defensive side of the court. But you wouldn't know with the style of play that LaMelo Ball is actually not with the Hornets right now. Because still, they are moving the ball very, very well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I think it's interesting, too, because they were up... uh, close to the top 10 in defense to start the year uh, for that, that stretch and not having a real center or somebody to protect the rim has just shown through a lot recently. Um, and it's frustrating. It's like, I don't want to say frustrating, but just like from an analyst perspective, like um, I love Bismack back because I know he's such a great dude and I'll just the, the 2016 playoffs will, are forever immortalized in my mind uh, from him, just tearing the Pacers in half. Um, but like it, I mean, he can't catch a ball. Um, and once he, if he does catch a ball, nothing, nothing good happens with it for the most part. If it's not just going straight into the hoop. Um, Cody Zeller has been in and out with injury a bunch, and he's been good when he's there. But it's still at the same time, it's just even not having a backup big to to replace him has been hard. Um, what I mean, in terms of just defense in general, what has kind of popped? Uh, how has that changed your mind about what the team needs moving forward?
0: Well yeah, you you mentioned the two most concerning aspects of the Hornets. It's defense and it's the center rotation combined. I think those are the two things that stick out in my mind. You were you're right in in the first, I don't know how many games, but they were up there in the top 10 for defense and it was it was probably partly luck. Yeah. The actual profile of this team on the defensive side of the court um, is basically their offensive profile. They, they, they like to get to the rim and they like to shoot threes, but they also give up a lot of shots at the rim and give up a lot of threes. Uh, it's just crazy how Borrego preaches that on offense, but he can't get his defense to do the same. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things is, is um, he actually had a conversation with the media probably a month or two ago about his defensive philosophy and how the Hornets are trying to play defense. And, I don't know who it was that asked him the question about giving up a lot of threes. It's been brought up a lot this year. And he said, basically, Hey, we will allow teams to shoot threes. Our main goal is to lock in and defend the paint. And they haven't been the best at that, but at least that's what they're trying to go for. And corner threes have been an issue all season. I think they've allowed the most attempts out of anyone in the NBA um, because teams get into the paint And everyone collapses because that's what they're trying to defend. And then it's just an easy kick out to the corner, Mark. And, you know, teams just go crazy from the corner in terms of the attempts that they take. And I will say this, they've gotten lucky in the sense that even though they've allowed the most threes from the corner, they are kind of like in the middle of the pack when it comes to efficiency for opponents. So that's the biggest thing to me with the defensive profile is that Borrego has basically said, hey, we are okay with giving up threes. Let's try to get really good at protecting the paint, which again, it's been an iffy, iffy part of their kind of like team as a whole. But at least they're trying to do that. And zone defense was one thing that they tried earlier in the season. It's gone down quite a bit since like the first month or two of the season. But I think they're probably still tops in the NBA in terms of how many zone possessions they've run. And then to your point, the other the other concerning part is the center rotation. Um Yeah, I mean, I think moving forward, that's that's the biggest positional need, and to be honest, PJ Washington is probably their best option at center, but he can't play consistent minutes at center just with some of the matchups. So, I mean, he's Cody Zeller. Like, if it came down to the playoffs, Cody Zeller will start, and I would hope that PJ Washington would be the option at the backup center, but. Biz seems to be trusted by that coaching staff, and, and he again, uh, like you said, just cannot catch a ball to save his life. It's,
1: it's hard, man, because it was like, I mean, he's gotten better at it throughout his career, which says a lot about, I mean, where he was at, uh, coming into the league. Um, it's interesting too, like you're mentioning with PJ, uh, what have you thought about him, uh, this year? Because I know. You know, before we even before the year started, when we talked and just talking to the people around Charlotte in general, like there are a lot of um, I I don't know if I want want to say expectations, but I I think there weren't a ton of expectations for the team necessarily coming in, but like hopes for sure about him. And he's been um, like he hasn't really taken a ton of strides this year. Um, Like, I, I think defensively he's made some improvements, but just by my eye, but like offensively, there really hasn't been a huge pop or anything. Um, what have you thought about him and how his game has progressed? If it has at all, or or what are what are your thoughts on him in general?
0: Well, long term, um, I'm still high on him. I'm yeah, still high on him. Sure. Long term. Uh, obviously, it just seems like in in sophomore years, players seem to have a dip. Miles Bridges had the same thing. Like Miles Bridges last year uh, did not play as well as you thought he would progress, and and this year he's uh, not that he's having a breakout year, but he's definitely made some some strides. PJ Washington to me is a versatile pop, you know, pick and pop type of big. Um, he has the ability to handle the ball. He has the ability to play inside out or outside in. He started off the season very, very slow. And the biggest reason why kind of, if you're reading the tea leaves or you're reading, you know, between the lines here was that he came into the season out of shape Yeah. and Borrego mentioned this basically. He's now recently, I guess I don't know how recent, but he's committed himself more to the weight room, getting in shape. Um, and that's 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 affected his play a whole lot more recently. He's still been up and down, and currently he's kind of like on a a cold streak, but he had a little bit of a, a hot streak uh recently. And I'm a fan of him. Like he had a slow start. I think a lot of that was due to uh, the issues in the weight room and and being out of shape, but there's a lot to like about his game. He pairs well with LaMelo in terms of being that pick and pop option that he can have. He can also body some, some, some bigs down low. Um, he does get overpowered at times. If you're playing someone, obviously like an Embiid or something, someone like that, that's, that's clear for anyone. That's a, a center. But uh, if you play him at the undersized center, that's something that you're going to have to give up. But I, I, I'm not going to hold out any hope that he's going to make any more great strides Mark this season, but for the long term, I like where he's at. He's a very versatile player. I think that's probably one of the biggest words that I would use to describe him and defensively um, again, he's, he's inconsistent there too, Mark. I I think in the beginning of the season, you saw a lot of times uh, players just drive by him, but looking back on some of the comments that Borrego has made about his you know, his weight or anything like that, that probably makes a whole lot of sense as to why teams were able to get by him. But other than that, he's competing hard recently. And um, I think he had like a 40 point game against the Sacramento Kings about a month ago. So yeah, yeah 40, you know.
1: I remember watching that it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So
0: he, he could do that too, Mark. That's, that's not a nightly thing, but he can do that.
1: Yeah, no, I uh, I'm really psyched. I, I haven't, I have my, my opinion on him hasn't changed up at all. I, I think right. like uh, it's just kind of interesting because if he doesn't have like the same kind of uh Like obviously, it's not a breakout year, but compared because I mean it was his first year in the league. But I think he surpassed a lot of what people thought he was going to do last year. Um, Maybe if he's having that year this year after a you know lower rookie year, people are thinking differently. So I I agree. He's he's still young. Like there's a trajectory with guys who are in their second year. They don't necessarily make a massive leap. Um, Somebody who has really been impressive this year, though, uh, kind of finally after you're waiting for it. I know a lot of stuff has been around him that is taken time for him to to get to this point, but Malik Monk has just been awesome after like not even being in the rotation to start the year. um, He's been fantastic coming off the bench uh, over like the last month or so. Um, I mean, I went from at the beginning of the year. I wasn't sure if they were going to even keep Malik Monk this year or try and resign him at the end of the year. I think I don't remember what his contract situation is at the end of the year. But um, regardless, I mean, my thoughts on Malik have, have completely changed now that he's kind of found some consistency.
0: Yeah, I think the Hornets had an opportunity to extend him uh, this previous offseason, but that's obviously passed. So he will be a free agent this upcoming season or this upcoming offseason, I should say. Yeah, I've always been a fan of Malik Monk. I, I think that Borrego might have had a, a short leash on him, and it seems like he's always had a short leash since, since he's been in the uh, the NBA. It, it's one of those things where it's hard to kind of gain that confidence if, if you make a turnover and you get pulled immediately. But... When he does play consistent minutes, you can see the type of player that he is. And especially with LaMelo Ball out of the lineup, you're going to need more players like Devontae Graham and Malik Monk to be your your playmakers. And I always say this when I go on Opposing Teams pod, but I think most people view Monk coming out of Kentucky as this shooter, which he was, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people overlook the fact that he can actually playmake and play out of the pick and roll. He has really good vision, passing, and all that type of stuff that you would see out of a point guard. Um, the biggest thing with Monk has always been his ability to attack and be aggressive at the rim. And he finishes very, very well around the rim within four feet. It's always been a strength of his. And it's it's not easy, uh, some of the finishes that he has as well, that they've been acrobatic finishes. And he just somehow calmly always makes these shots. And uh, it's it's impressive, to say the least, with the way that he is built at times. And I guess the biggest revelation this season has been his three-point shot. He has shot the ball very, very well from behind the arc. It's, it's probably his best three-point shooting season uh, yet. And I think you would have to let it see how it plays out for a couple more seasons to see if you know, if this is a thing to stay, because it has been a very up and down kind of career for him from behind the arc. But with LaMelo out, I've really enjoyed watching Monk. I hope that he gets more consistent minutes and he's definitely in the top eight or nine in this rotation. Uh So when, when things do shrink in the postseason, I would hope, even if LaMelo is back, that, that Monk is in there as well. But I, I yeah, I've, I've definitely been impressed with him. I just don't know If he'll be back with this Hornets team next year, because that's going to be a decision that the Hornets have to make between him and Devontae, I would think. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
1: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing?
0: Sorry, Chip.
1: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes
0: ends 4 3 Void, wherever hip Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official
1: rules at frito lay Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I I think one thing um that I would ask off that as well, or I guess not off that, I mean, because I have I've felt similar. Like I, I was kind of surprised a little bit that Devontae didn't get traded Um just given, I mean, it's been awesome now with how things have worked out. Um, but looking at Terry Rozier, it's kind of funny to me because I think a lot of people um that I know uh brought up the idea of like, oh well, Terry should be they should totally be trying to trade Terry, sell high on him. Um, and I just every time that I watch uh watch Charlotte play, like I know Terry is not the guy who is who is a driving force of an offense. Um, he's not gonna be like the number one guy on a championship championship team or anything like that. But in terms of like I mean, he's the number one outlet on the team and it shows so often, like you talked about with him being clutch earlier. Like I think um, seeing him grow as a player and more importantly, just be put in a good context considering where, what he was doing in Boston compared to now, like, I mean, are, what, where are you at with whether or not Terry is like a long-term part of the future or not even long-term, but like next year in the year going on? Because I think like, it's just like, I'm sure somebody could replace that role in time. But like overall, like what he's done has been immense for them. Um, at least by, by my eyes, I thought it no, has been.
0: You're right. You're right. I think when he initially signed the contract, a lot of people were just like, okay, that's just too much money. You know, getting yeah. paid $18 million a year, that's just, it's just too much. Um, there were some people that said, well, maybe he can play himself into that contract and he can be a tradable asset down the road. And now that he's playing so well you're like well now we don't want to trade him we we want to keep him for the next two years so he signed on uh this year and next year for about 18 million so 18 million is 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 kind of a hard i guess i mean it's it's up there in terms of being a a contract that's hard to trade um but I, i think that he probably has one of if not the most value on this team when it comes to a trade value I just don't know if the Hornets at this point in time would want to trade him in the off season for whatever reason. And I, I am perfectly okay with, with having the Hornets keep him next season. And if it expires, it expires and they're not able to bring him back as an unrestricted free agent in, in 22, 23 uh, that's fine. I think what he's providing for this team, like you said, has been so, so big, so big in, in terms of making clutch shots, timely shots, And he's made improvements every single year. So it'll be interesting to see what type of improvements he makes uh, next offseason heading into 21-22. So I think the Hornets view highly of him. The front office does. I don't think he is on their radar in terms of making him a trade chip. But it's funny how people's views have changed on Terry Rozier because initially it was all about, you know, bad contract. Uh, a player that has not performed up to that type of number and now they're like oh wow this is this is somebody that's a, that's a that's a you know important force for this hornets team
1: yeah yeah definitely it's uh and it's just funny too because like he went from being like one of the least efficient guys in the league to now one of the most and, and one <laughs> of the best off-ball players in the league like um context and role matter and i, I think it's just interesting seeing how things play out like that um so in looking at just an individual game basis, what are you most looking forward for, for tomorrow? Like what are you looking for uh, from the Hornets or um, what's something that you would tell people to look out for uh, from the Pacers' perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I probably have a couple of questions for you yeah, on for sure. Pacers and uh, I can kind of throw them your way. Um, in terms of tomorrow i mean in terms of looking at the hornets team i kind of mentioned a lot of what you're going to see the one the one thing that the hornets have been very good at or just stylistically that uh, you have seen all season has been the pace of play now that has changed drastically since lamella ball has left yep. so yep. you will see probably more half court options and the the ball go through gordon hayward a little bit more when the when the you know, the pace of play starts to slow down, but the Hornets do average like 13 seconds per possession, which is like fourth in the NBA. Um, it, it certainly helps that this team is forcing some turnovers. Um, if you look at cleaning the glass, they are number one in the NBA in points added through steals. So they aren't afraid to mix it up on defense and, and, cut off the passing lanes. And that's something that's been, you know, so good for LaMelo, but obviously LaMelo won't be playing against your Pacers uh, tomorrow night. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't know what all more to add to that other than the fact that, you know, you're going to be looking out for Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and running offense through him at the elbow. He's done very well this season in terms of just being a screener as well. So, like I said, if it does come to an half court offense, you know, that, that's the guy that I would look out for. Um, I do have a question for you about your Pacer team. And it's something that I've debated before. Mm. Who do you think is more impactful for the Pacers? Is it Sabonis or is it Malcolm Brogdon?
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so in terms of overall impact, I think I, this is something I've gone back and forth on because um, I actually want to say I'm pretty sure Div asked me this one time. I did a podcast with Div. Uh I, I want to say most uh most frequent huh. guest on Busby. I can't remember. Um, I know he's up there, but uh I think it's Malcolm. Uh just because like number one, he's guarding the best player on the other team most nights. Um, I think that's something that gets undersold a lot. His defense has been a lot better this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, he's driving the most offense uh he's taking the toughest shots he's doing a lot of stuff off the dribble and it's changed up a little bit since karis has been back like um he's getting the ball a little bit less um but i just think overall as important as domas is to the team and the way it's structured and what they do i think um if you don't have malcolm out there you don't have your main driving force on the offense and your best three-point shooter your best i mean i guess doug is but like malcolm is the only guy who can get close to getting his own shot right now uh, considering Karis just isn't quite at that. He's not really back to that level yet. Um, And Domas, uh, that's been my biggest sticking point with him. Like not that I think he's, he's bad or anything. He's fantastic. He's two time (laughs) all-star deserving, but like he's not somebody who I think can reliably create his own shot yet. Um, Like he can do a lot of really nice things to get his own shot, but it's not consistent yet. Um, And Malcolm can do it. So I think it, Overall, I would, I would say Malcolm.
0: That's interesting because I, I've always thought that way, but I didn't know with me not having watched enough Pacers. I can't act like I've watched enough Pacer basketball season to, this season to say that. But, you know, just he's having a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, and my opinion of Sabone is that he's also a great player. You know, good footwork, good up and unders in the post. Um, he can handle the ball, obviously. But to your point, maybe he can't create his shot enough and, and Brogdon gets overlooked on the defensive side of the court to where you know that that is something that is valued a little bit more especially out on the perimeter but yeah he does a lot of the little things well i almost wish brogdon took more shots from behind the yard because i've i looked up some of the statistics he just doesn't take enough i would think but um he does shoot the ball well from out there
1: yeah so that's something i'm really hopeful for um because one of my favorite nuances that's that's kind of taken place since karras is back um i think before caris came back so before the all-star break malcolm had taken like 20 corner threes in uh whatever that was like 33 35 games and now since then he's taken uh, i think after last night i think he's up 14 or 15 so in like a, a third of the games and just given how good of a shooter he is and the corner is an easier three-point shot like that's awesome for him he's getting a lot more looks off ball um his assist numbers are down because he's handling the ball less so that makes sense but like um, I agree. Like, I want to see him take like 10 threes a game. Like, I, I think that'd be great for him. Uh, part of the issue is like, he hasn't been as comfortable off the dribble lately. Like he was, uh, to start the year and he's been better since, uh, since getting the time off with the all-star break. Cause that's, that's been part of the issue this year. Like he just has gassed out at, at times, uh, because of how much he's asked to do. Um, I think the next step for him is really getting more of that off the dribble game working or just getting more, uh, more open looks, um, maybe getting to do a lot more, uh, running off ball, um, and not having to do everything with the ball in his hands. And I'm hoping that as, as Karis, game comes back a little bit more, that'll be, uh, that'll be something that happens more frequently, but, but I agree. I mean, in Milwaukee, he was one of the probably 10, 10 or 15 best off ball players in the NBA, like somewhere up in there. Um, so I'd love to see him get more looks like that.
0: Is it one of those things where you think he doesn't have the athleticism to kind of create for himself? like so you want you would want to put him off ball so that he can have that space.
1: Yeah, so he's uh it's interesting cuz he's like he's he's like the definition of a of a guy who's a combo guard. Like he's so stuck between being a 1 and a 2 that it like hurts me a little bit. Um like I think he really is a 2 at heart. Um but he's so good as a driver, like just incredible at collapsing the defense, but he can't finish at the rim for shit um that's just to, to be uh, completely fair to him like it's not like terrible but I mean 52 percent at the rim is not like it's at the point where defenses are like okay you know come at us and um it's a lot better with Karras back I mean he shot like above 60 percent at the rim because he's getting a lot more looks off second side actions and not having to drive right into the teeth of the defense um so I think if he were able to finish like even 58%, something that's like not, you know, bottom 10% in the league at the rim, uh, I would feel a little bit differently about it. But just in terms of like, he's not going to be able to draw fouls that way. He's not really a vertical athlete. Like he will, he's had a couple of like just random out of nowhere dunks. Like he had this one against Denver last year. Um, It doesn't even look like he's jumping because he like comes so, so low off the ground, but like, He's he just doesn't quite have that 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 leap in vertical ability, and it's kind of funny because I've realized like, um, like you pick up on some of those things the more you watch the game. Like that's what makes guys who are really good rim finishers. Like it's hard to be a good rim finisher if you don't get off the ground. Like, right. Um. So, and I I, I probably sounded way too critical of Brogdon there at the the, the it, mentioning his rim finishing, but it's just like it's so painful to watch sometimes because. He does a great job getting there, but it, it won't even be necessarily the contest. It's just he doesn't have the angle to finish it. Um, so I think ultimately, I, I think he just ends up being a really efficient uh, second secondary creator is like the goal for him, but kind of like a quasi. Like he can do stuff running bench units. or. Um, but I think ultimately it's going to be more keras uh, running things.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of rim finishing, I was surprised to see this, but – Doug McDermott can finish at the rim. I, I didn't know that was a part of his game. I mean, he's he's someone that is viewed around the league as someone that shoots the ball so well, and, and that's what he's known for. But he also finishes the ball around the hoop as well at a good rate, and and there is volume as well. So it's not like he's just taking you know one shot a game at the hoop. He's he's definitely getting there, and I, and I think that combination could give the Hornets fits uh, in this game. And, and I feel like that's, I feel like he's played well against Charlotte this season. So what what have been your overall thoughts on Doug McDermott? I mean, not just the rim finishing, but just overall as a player.
1: Yeah. Uh, all in all, it's, it's interesting because he was having a really down year shooting from three, but since the all-star break, he's kind of back up. Uh, I mean, he was shooting like 35% from three, 36% from three for like the first 25, 30 games. Um, and he's really found his rhythm again. Like he's just making the shots that we're missing a lot, um, and that rim finishing, like you're mentioning, is what's so different for him. Um, he used to do a lot of stuff in between and he was never like a a bad mid-range shooter or anything, but now he's just at the point where it's either he's taking the shot or if it's not open and he has a, has a lane to the rim, he's going. Um, and I would actually argue that he's been like probably the best at rim finisher, even if you know Domas by percentage would have it, but like um other than TJ Warren on the team, like the guy who's a wing that I'm most, you know, thrilled about getting to the rim is probably Doug McDermott. I mean, he's he's really damn good at it. Um, he's got an awesome at just handling and getting there. And uh he's had some finishes this year. They're like, okay, all right, Doug, I see you. And uh I I've been really, really positive of him. I think a lot of people get caught up with the defense too. He's not a good defender, just to be completely honest. Like he doesn't have the athleticism or um the length to be a great defender. Um or even a good defender, but he's really worked hard on his positioning. Um, he's actually pretty good at rotating as a low man and contesting at the rim, uh, even though he's not like a great vertical athlete or anything. Um, but he just competes his ass off on that. And that, that matters for something. I still uh, kind of wonder what he's, it's going to look like in the playoffs. Cause he struggled in the playoffs last year and against Boston as well. Um, but in terms of what he does for the bench unit um, and getting things going from three, like he's, been the most consistent like just kind of safety valve for the team for for two years now and it's only improved this year as he's gotten more uh, ability in the drive game so um yeah I'm I think what I'm most interested to see though is what happens in the offseason because he's an unrestricted free agent he was the only guy I really thought uh, had an opportunity to get traded other than Aaron holiday um and uh, it became apparent, you know, as the day came that he wasn't going to get traded because they put him in media availability the day of. Uh, and I was like, okay, so he's not going. But, uh, like, um, I, I just have no idea what kind of deal he's going to command in the summer because I think he's going to end up getting above the MLE. So I don't know how the Pacers are going to be able to re-sign him. Um, like any anything's possible, but it's going to be uh, guys who can shoot and and do other things too. Like him adding the ability to finish at the rim is great for the Pacers now. Um, but I'm interested to see how much he gets in the offseason.
0: In a way, he feels like a specialty player. Like, yeah, you know, in, in certain situations, you can play him, and he plays very, very effectively. But to your point, you know, if it comes playoff time and you can, you know, get him off the court because you can't play defense, uh, then obviously it it negates any kind of offensive profile that you have there. I do have one more random weird question because I have a weird fascination, or I did have a fascination with uh, Edmund Sumner at Xavier uh big lanky guy that can handle the ball i don't know why i liked him so much in that draft but how has he developed this season because i know he's been dealing with some injuries or has dealt with injuries in the past like his, is he is he a factor on on the pacers team
1: he is uh dude he you're you're in for a treat he's been awesome recently um i actually have been uh i, I do some like really crappy photoshop just on my phone uh to have memes to shoot out in the game uh so in in the month of March this is just his splits he since he got a consistent rotation spot so he he only played in one game in February um which was like kind of a little bit frustrating because he'd he'd gotten a little bit of a role uh later on in, in in December and early on in January um but since he's entered the lineup in March and has been playing uh, around 16 minutes a game um it's not as good as it hold on it's like i i I had the wrong stats selected um since he's been playing more than like just garbage time um shooting 44 percent from the field 26 percent from three which no it does not sound great uh because he's missed some threes recently but like he's taking threes comfortably um he's handling the ball a little bit i think what's most tantalizing to me it doesn't show up in his assist numbers because he had some unluckiness with um guys just kind of uh bobbling the ball or missing wide open layups but like He's been flashing stuff as a passer that he hasn't had at all. Um, things have really just slowed down for him, and he's been good defensively. Um, I actually think we're at a point now where he's probably part of the team moving forward next year, and he's taken he's really taken over Aaron Holiday's spot and what where I thought Aaron Holiday was going to be on the team. Um, he's he's grown a ton this year, and it's been just in the last month, so it's been awesome to see.
0: Well, it's good. That's good. Cause I was, I, like I said, I had a weird fascination with him coming, coming out of college. I just, I just, I think I have like a thing for, for point guards that are a little bit lanky. I know he doesn't play point guard on the NBA level, but he did in college. Um, but that's good. That's good that he's kind of overcome these injuries and uh, obviously Karis LeVert uh, good to see him having a handful of games under his belt with the Pacers as well. So definitely looking forward to this game. It's a game that I feel like the Hornets, Should win considering where they're at in the standings and considering where they're playing, but uh, you just never know, never know.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It'll be interesting to see how the game goes down. I I know I'm looking forward to it. Uh, It's going to have to be a big Domas game and also a big Miles game too, because I think uh, Miles uh, being an impact offensively and most of the time he's not an impact offensively because they don't really get him going. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a good game to watch, man. Richie, I appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything that you want to plug or anywhere that people can find you at before we get out of here?
0: Yeah, I mean, other than what you've already plugged, uh, listen to BuzzBeat Podcast. We release weekly, pretty much every Wednesday. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Richie Randall.
1: Awesome. Well, Richie, thanks, man. This was a good time to everyone listening. Of course, go follow Richie and everything he does. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening.